Welcome to Behind the Movement. I'm Kyle Fincham. Thank you for listening. I have a really wonderful conversation to share with you today that I had with Emma Robson, who's out in Perth, Australia. Before I get to it, though, just a few announcements. The first is this Sunday at 10 a.m., I'm going to be facilitating Infinite Play in Seattle, Washington, in a local park. Uh, So if you're in the area, or you know someone in the area and you think that they should be there, you can sign up by going to movementbrooklyn.com. All the info's on the website on the uh, events page. Yeah, that's this Sunday, May 9th, Mother's Day, so bring your mom. The following weekend, Saturday, May 15th, I'm going to be facilitating an event at 10 a.m. in Emeryville, California. Uh, That's in the San Francisco Bay Area. The event is being hosted by the Athletic Playground in Emeryville, um, and it'll be at a local park nearby. So if you're in Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, or, or somewhere nearby, I'd love to see you there. Um... You can sign up by going to movementbrooklyn.com or you can just go to the Athletic Playgrounds website, which is tapgym.com. And yeah, really looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, to to connecting with a lot of the, the Athletic Playground community at that event. So I hope to see you there. Um, also, if you're in Boulder or if you're passing through Boulder, or near Boulder. Um, I teach every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. at Block 1750. Um, If you want to sign up for that, you can go to block1750.com. Those are my announcements. Let's get to the conversation. Uh, Speaking with Emma was really, really fantastic. Um, The conversation came about because uh, a few months ago, I spoke to Soichi Porchetta, who is also in Australia. Um, we uh, we exchanged some emails after we spoke, and in one of the emails, she, she suggested that I, I reach out to Emma for a conversation. Uh, so I, I, I took Soichi's recommendation seriously. I sent Emma a message. She was uh, due to have a baby and was going to be taking some time off uh, before the baby was born and figured that that might be a good time for us to schedule our conversation. Uh, so we picked a date, we picked a time. Um, that day rolled around just a few hours before we were supposed to speak. I got a message from Emma saying, I'm going to have to reschedule because I'm on my way to have my baby right now. Uh, so she had the baby healthy. Uh, the family's amazing. Uh, they're all really excited. Um, we rescheduled our time to chat. Um, now we got to talk a little bit about, you know, what life looks like now that the 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 baby is in it and not on its way. Um, so that was really wonderful. Uh, if you're not sure, or if you're not familiar with Emma. Uh, Here's a little bit of her background. She's a movement teacher, and along with her husband, Glenn, and business partner, Paul Twyman, they're the founders of uh, Aspen Coaching in Perth. Um, it's a 
unique movement space that encourages people to step outside of seeking weight loss and fitness and instead begin to create a deeper relationship with themselves and respect for what their body really needs. Over the past four years, Emma has worked closely with the Fighting Monkey practice and is currently wrapping up a year-long mentorship with Yosef Fursek. The study through the Fighting Monkey practice has been very influential on her teaching and her outlook on how we live our lives. Like I said, uh, this conversation was really, really wonderful. I'm looking forward to uh, getting out to Australia at some point to visit her and Glenn, the baby, and uh, you know everyone else who I, I've spoken to in Australia and who I connect with in Australia. So uh, who knows? Keep an eye out for that. Maybe the end of the year, maybe 2022, we'll head out that direction. So let's not waste any time. Here it is, my conversation with Emma Robson. Good to see you. Yeah. Uh, And congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry about the last uh, meeting that we had. (laughs) Hey, I mean, listen, it was, it was impressive that, uh, that you sent the message anyway. Yeah. Um, I think Glenn ended up sending it for me. I was like, ah, like, because he he was very early. We were not, we were not organized at all. Um, So he kind of took us by surprise. So when was, when was he due? Um, 17th of April. And when so did he? three weeks. Wow. He came 30th of March, yeah. So. Wow. That's, uh, that is wild. Yeah. Um, but it was perfect. It was so good. So we were ready to meet him and uh, everything's been great. So. And life is like totally different now? Yeah, completely different. Like yeah. everything that's in your head just gets reshuffled and reordered automatically. Mm-hmm. in a really nice way, like really gently and very like carefree, mm-hmm. um, which is not what I heard many parents say. <laughs> they kind of go, oh, life gets really hectic. But for us at the moment, everything's just slowed down um, and it's just time at home, time together, lots of sleep, lots of good food, mm-hmm. lots of cuddles. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> that is really nice to hear. It's so, it's, it, I think it, it's like, I think I've talked to somebody about this and that it's like this thing that no one can prepare you for that the idea that like you leave home as like a twosome and then you return home with three. Yeah. And you're expected to know what to do with this (laughs) human. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, So are you back at work now? uh, No, not teaching um, Uh yet, but I'm sure that won't be too far away. (laughs) Um, doing a little bit of admin kind of behind the scenes stuff at home, but just the bare minimum. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so plan to take a good four months off contact time from, from the gym and from clients and everything. Mm-hmm. And then just see how we see how we go with what capacity I come back to. Um, it won't be the same as before, but yeah. Yeah, what do you imagine? Do you imagine like working less and spending more time with the baby or bringing the baby in to work with you a lot? Or will you have like some sort of like, um, I don't know, like babysitter or daycare or something? We're not sure. We don't want to use babysitter and daycare. We know that. And Glenn wants to take as much time off as I want to take off. So we're kind of fighting over the who gets to be with the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for now, while I'm breastfeeding, I kind of win that argument. Right. Right. Um, 
So I think once I'm not breastfeeding, we'll do a bit of half half. Like Glenn will work three solid days, I'll work three solid days, and we'll mm. both have solid days at home with with Lockie. Or we can because we we live really close, so we're like a 500 meter walk from the gym, mm -hmm. our home. So we can pop in, hand over. You know, someone can teach for a couple of hours. Someone can take him home. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty flexible in that respect. Um, mm -hmm. And being our own business as well, like I can come back to work and just teach, you know, cherry pick a couple of classes mm -hmm. and then that's it. I don't need to come back to like a full-time nine to five gig or anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we feel pretty, pretty lucky to have the options, mm -hmm. but I guess we just don't know what he's going to be like, you know, like he might be very needy. He might be happy to sleep a lot or I don't right. know. <laughs> right. You don't know him at all. You have no idea who he is yet. No, every day he's a little different. So, yeah, we just keep deciding as we go what works. <laughs> God, that's so exciting. And how how is Glenn? He's great. He's He's got lucky now. They're walking around, um, walking around the streets, having a little coffee and some sunshine. Um, yeah, he's loving it. He's He took two weeks off and it wasn't mm -hmm. enough. He really didn't want to come back to work um, that early. It just felt like only a day had passed and he already had to come back. So he came back for a week and then Perth got sent into a snap lockdown with like, we had one COVID case pop up. So we all got sent home again. So that was kind of perfect, right? Like we're a bit disappointed the gym had to close, but we were like, perfect. You know, dad gets to come home and spend another week at home. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we're four weeks in now and that's, yeah. Glenn's kind of toying with coming back full-time you know wow. next weekend. yeah and and australia has managed covid pretty well right like i mean it's like you guys are living kind of like normal lives at this point yeah especially on the west coast so in perth we've had nothing like a single case here and there um we had a two-month lockdown in march last year um but it wasn't for much like our case numbers are really low but we kind of had this big two-month lockdown and then we've had a few snap lockdowns where they've just gone like the next five days, everyone stay home. Mm -hmm. You know, this one was a four day lockdown um, over one case. So yeah, it's been pretty good. And otherwise when we're out of lockdown, everything's normal. Um, so it's, it's hard because we watch the news and we see what everyone else is going through and you just, you feel so distanced because you were really in this bubble where I'm like, life's normal here. Yeah. It's like finding everyone's in parks, like, businesses are pretty much as usual there's right. a few restrictions but yeah very strange to see what's happening in other countries right but no, and but the, the big thing is that nobody can really get in right like australia is like to get to australia it's like the hoops are are high <laughs> yeah very protective <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah the east coast had a had it worse especially melbourne melbourne and sydney um they're much more dense cities than what we are but um yeah, even still nothing compared to to the US and India and Germany and everywhere else. Yeah. Um, I was talking like to so, oh. I mean where we're at now it's pretty mellow and I know like they're I think the US is what are they, I don't know what they're saying like 30% of the population or something has been vaccinated. So the numbers are going down like pretty yeah. rapidly, but you know when you look at like Canada which is really really close have you ever been to the united states no um well 
once uh, the baby's a little older, that is that is the next trip once the world changes. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Canada is so close. And like, I think about all the challenges we have here. But when I look at Canada, Canada is like, they're still in like full lockdowns and quarantines as we speak right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's all so like, it's funny as you look at it, it's like just different in the United States from state to state. And then you look at it and it's like country to country. It's like, yeah, it's a real mishmash. Yeah. And it's been going on so long now. It's also, I find hard to keep track of, like, mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning you were watching everything and keeping on top of everything, but for us, especially because it's not as um, prevalent, I've kind of lost touch with what's happening in other places. Right. Um, yeah. It's been over a year now. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and your business is like managed pretty pretty well. Yeah, in I know a lot of places um, haven't. So in that respect, we're we're still open. Everything's fine. It's mm -hmm. of course taken a hit. I think having the closures all the time, the little closures, um, just it stops any momentum. You know, like you'll be working, getting new clients in, and then all of a sudden you close. Those new people just stop coming, yeah. and so there's always going to be a little hit. But yeah, overall we've We've been fine. Um, and how long has has Aspen existed? How long has that been a thing? We're celebrating our third birthday in five weeks' time. So. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'm. I, I was trying to remember because I remember being at Movement Camp and being in the same group as Glenn. Yeah. And I think I just specifically remember it because he and I were like grappling together quite a bit. Yeah. But I couldn't remember if you were in the same group or not. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And this, and then this must've been like either just before or just after you opened Aspen because it must've been right around three years ago. Yeah. I was thinking that as I was walking to the gym this morning, I think it was 2017 that mm -hmm. we were like 18, 19, 20, 21. So this will be four years. Yeah. Cause we were in the thought of we want to open a gym. Um, we were looking for a premise. Mm -hmm. We weren't really sure what we were doing. We were talking about it, um, mm -hmm. but we didn't have a space or anything. Um, and so Glenn, Paul, do you know Paul Twyman? Oh um, yeah, um, I, I think um, we've had like those kind of like Instagram yeah. likes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's big on Instagram. Um, so that's our other business partners. So that's Glenn, Paul and myself. Um, we were working at another gym and we had been talking about opening our own place and we thought, let's just put the feelers out and what would it look like? What would we teach? How would we do it? So we were starting to have those conversations and starting to look for spaces. And when this building came up, we just knew it was perfect and we put a um, proposal in straight away and we got the lease with like organised within a month, I think, of um, uh, putting in our interest which we didn't really expect to happen because, you know, usually you get knocked back or there's problems or there's something, but it just all worked perfectly. So we're yeah. like, fuck, we have a gym now. <laughs> right, and then it starts happening. You're like, oh, wow, now we got to like do it. Yeah. So it's like, what, what are we, what are we teaching? How are we doing it? Like, when are we opening? Like, yeah, it all just kind of happened as a happy accident in a sense. Like we were talking about it, but yeah, it was, no one really saw it coming as it did. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it, you know, if all three of you were kind of like teaching at another gym, what was it that was kind of inspiring you to like 
open a space of your own and what was kind of like the, I don't know, like the approach that you wanted to take that was slightly different? Um, I think, so where we had been, we were working at a place called Ninja Academy for three years. Mm -hmm. Ninja Academy was a Ninja Warrior obstacle course facility. So it was a huge, huge warehouse. They had a 70 meter obstacle course. They had parkour, gymnastics, bouldering, like a gym. They had everything. So it was an amazing facility. And that's I, think I, I, I think I saw it on Instagram. Was it inside like a, like an airplane hangar or something? It would have looked like that. Yeah. It was a huge yeah. warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we were there and everything was great. Like um, amazing facility, heaps of stuff. The people coming in were very open-minded to doing things differently. Um, and for the first few years, it was great. But what we found was what we wanted to teach was a little bit more gentler and underneath that ninja kind of branding, it was very hidden because uh, for example, I work a lot with rehabilitation and people with chronic injury and inflammation and all sorts of stuff. And they were, as soon as they found out they were coming to Ninja Academy to see me, they were turned off. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember one consult uh, I had with someone on the phone, they'd been referred to me from a physiotherapist or practitioner. And he said, oh, do I need to wear a helmet and a mouth guard? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, it was just so far from what we were going to be doing. And that was mm -hmm. the perception people had um, to come and work with our coaching team because of the building that we were in. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a couple of the moments where we went, you know, our voice isn't able to be heard here um, of how movement can kind of influence someone's life from a health perspective. Um, because at Ninja Academy, it was very much, um, yeah, it was, it was a very fun place. It was very, there was amazing things happening, incredible people working there and training there. But yeah, we just felt like our business itself was a little bit limited there. So so that was like the 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 seed that planted Aspen. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But I mean, so, even things like they're building it like it's black and it's red, like colors, like very harsh, uh, very loud. Like when you're trying to have a conversation with someone and you've got like banging, like all this noise happening and people doing flips over here. Like you watch someone's eyes and they're just kind of they're not looking at you when you're trying to work with them. Right, it'd be like, oh, you have you have a spinal cord injury. Meet me at this Tough Mudder course. We're not going to use the course, yeah. but like, meet me there, and that's where we're going to do our thing. Exactly. Be like, oh, well, this is, you know, yeah. intimidating. Flying around and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and I'm going to get you to learn to do a spinal wave softly. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was weird, um, but amazing uh, for for the time because we we had an amazing coaching team that we all trained together. So it was this time in in when we were, we'd been to camp and we were kind of right into that type of training. And there was this big community growing of practitioners there that were training together all day, you know? So we had this really nice um, group of people pushing each other to kind of build our own practices up. And that was great. Uh, and probably one of the things I now miss about having our own facility is not having that group of people pushing our own training around us. Cause now we're all for our members. Um, right. That's just different phases of life, right? Yeah. So years focusing on our stuff, and now it's focusing on others. <laughs> how, how many teachers are there? Is it just the three of you? I uh, know we've got um, so three of the three of us are full time, and then we have um, four other casual coaches. Okay. Yeah. All we right. Yeah. 
yeah, a new person recently for my maternity leave. <laughs> so. And then what is like the, um, I don't know, sometimes I don't like using the word methodology, but what's kind of like your approach in that, in that space? Um, good question. <laughs> it can be, uh, it's hard to define, I think. Um, mm. And that's one of the challenges we have with business. Uh, essentially, we want people to enjoy being in their bodies more, right? Like, so to actually see that the, the physical body can change and um, how we do that is through, um, you know, the choices we make on a daily basis, how we, how we choose to move through our life. Um, and a lot of the conditions people are living with are not necessary. Um, you know, they can be improved. And I think that's not the common story, right? Because they would usually go to a specialist, a GP, a doctor, and get taught how to manage their condition rather than improve their condition. Um, and so, I, you know, me personally, I'm very much um, aligned with working with people with chronic illness, chronic disease, inflammation disorders, this type of thing, lifestyle kind of problems. Mm -hmm. uh, so that comes across in how I talk about Aspen. But if you were mm -hmm. to then talk to, say, Paul, who is very much um, skills and handstand driven, like he's amazing with one-arm handstands and all the training he's done around that, his focus is is very different, um, but I think we all we complement each other well um, because the the ethos behind it is still to create a daily practice that serves your life in a positive way. We're just going about it for different reasons for people. Um, yeah. Listening, listening, you describe like your approach reminds me of some like conversations I've had recently about like how, you know like one of our gifts is that we're like these pattern machines. Like we can like see patterns, recognize patterns because the way we kind of like create patterns is how we navigate like the multitude of complexity that like life throws at us. Yeah. But we also have a tendency then to like almost get into like the groove of patterns. Yeah. yeah. And and that can be precarious. So yeah. like as you, as you were talking, I was reminded of some of these conversations where like the idea of being just like, just showing people that, there are other choices, like there are other patterns. Yeah, absolutely. Our habits can um, make or break us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just the, the simple reflection of our habits, like are they still serving us? Like that one question, if you can start to look at, okay, what habits do I have in my life? Am I even aware of them? And if I'm aware of them, how are they playing out in the long run? And is that an outcome I'm willing to live with? And mm -hmm. for a lot of people, the answer would be no. And then when you realize that the power's with you to go and change that one little action in a day and see it play out over a long time. I think that's really powerful um, and can completely change the trajectory of someone's life. And if you've taught them that as a tool, they can continue to apply it, whether they're working with you, coming to your gym, using it in business, like it's a principle that you can apply anytime you're running into challenges. Mm. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, that's probably, the thing that's changed in my practice the most was um, using, you know, in a movement situation, you're looking at different qualities in the body and then applying them in different situations, you know, when to be soft, when to be hard, when to be yielding, when to be all these different things and testing yourself in you changing environments all the time to see if you can, these qualities can kind of come out in a more natural setting. But I was never letting that cross outside of a physical capacity. 
So, you know, it wasn't coming into how I managed my business. It wasn't coming into my relationships or my social life. It was very in the gym only. Mm-hmm. And then I ran into quite a few challenges in my real life because for some reason they were separate in my head. Um, and I had to really start to question, like I wanted to, um, I thought that I, I wasn't a very good communicator in my relationships, but yet when with my relationships with my clients, I was a great communicator. Like I had a lot of empathy. I could listen. I didn't take on any guilt for what they were going through, but in my relationships, I did the opposite. So I was like, how can I be like this over here, but not over here? Um, And when I was in, like, I've always kind of been in a leadership or a management role in the workplaces I've run in. And I've always thought I need to be more confident or more direct or more more of a leader. And I never thought I could do that. And I was like, but I do that with my training. Why can't I bring that into this other setting? So it was starting to see what I'm learning physically in these movement situations is I can use qualities in different scenarios to get different outcomes. Could I then do that in other aspects of life, which the answer is yes right and you start to see everything as a bit of a dance it's like oh what if I change this way I communicate with my mom or the way I communicate with my partner or the way I show up to strangers and what outcome does that bring into my life Um, and that became really powerful too because I started to get a lot more joy out of each day Um, yeah everything became easier and less stressful it sounds like it's like like this more like playful approach to like yeah everything but I, I i resonate with that where it's like we do one thing like in a practice or like in the gym and then it's something else outside or or you know sometimes even people i've felt like maybe i've done it where like like preaching certain values in one place but then it's like isolated in that one place and maybe it's just kind of like how we're, we're structured we're like we like compartmentalize things yeah as opposed to realizing that like, no, it's like all at once, it all goes together. It's all happening at the same time. Yeah. And like, I don't know, and maybe this is kind of what you're describing as well. It's like a little bit of like the things that we cherish and that we, we, we realize like have value and that we want to share like in the world can be like reflected in like the way that we teach and the way that we practice. Yeah. Definitely. I think at the movement camp we were at, Shai Faran had a, one of her lectures in the evening and she spoke about all the different qualities, like, you know, when to be strong and when to be gentle and when to be yielding. And I remember taking notes in her lecture about all the different faces that we have and how to bring them together. Because at that point, I felt like my life was all very separate. I kept these friends over here and I kept my training over here and my business was separate. And that was the moment where I went, oh, maybe there's a way to do it different because I thought that it was better to keep things separate. Um, And I remember thinking it and nothing changed at the time, right? It was just like a moment where I went, oh, that's powerful, but I didn't really know what to do with it. And then over the years since then, now looking back, you know, because hindsight's a great thing, you start to make stories of what you've done. (laughs) At the time, Mm. you don't know you're doing it, but now I can kind of paint a story where it's like you are letting life cross over a lot more and bringing things together. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, I feel like I I, I bring it up on here, like I'm like, I don't know, like every third episode or something, but it was just such like a powerful moment for me that I can't stop like bringing it up. But I was uh, having a conversation with Marlo Fiskin, Mm -hmm. who I met on the podcast, but then we like connected a little bit here in person in Boulder because we were here at the same time. 
and I don't know, she's somebody who to me just feels very like wise and she is wise, um, which is, it's like almost this like, like smart is one thing, but like wise is like, I don't know, like a worldly, like a perception, you know, a, a unique perception. And I asked her, I was like, oh, like, what do you feel like isn't talked about enough, like in, in movement? And she said uh, how that thing that I told you, like how our, our practice and our teaching can reflect the changes we want to see in the world. Mm. And I don't know, it like resonated with me so much. And I just thought it was so poignant and beautiful that I keep like coming back to that. Um, and, and I think about you thinking about like those qualities and being like, oh, like these qualities are magical, not just inside these walls, but like, you know, if I think these yeah. qualities matter, like they can transcend this space, mm. you know? And if I present these things, like maybe they start to stick on people and it starts to move outside of here. Yeah, absolutely. You cross borders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that, because um, I've been working a lot with the fighting monkey um, kind of approach these last few years. And that was one of the um, messages they had was like letting your knowledge kind of cross borders, you know, so what you've learned in one setting, how can it be applied in another situation completely? Um, so we don't keep our knowledge static in one place only. And um, it's all it's all the same message just said in different ways. Everyone kind of comes to the same conclusions, whether you the way you get there is almost irrelevant. Um, mm. And I think as teachers, uh, it's very easy to just get someone to do what you're doing because it's working for you. You know, like um, I found this perfect way of living or training or whatever. So now everyone must do this. Mm -hmm. um, but if we can ref bring it back to the principle uh, rather than the protocol and teach people the principles, then they'll find their own way. And that way they'll be able to continue whether they're working with you or not. And I think that's much more valuable to be passing on than just a protocol that worked to yeah. get to a certain place. Yeah, uh, do, you, do you find that like, um, and I said this when someone I talked to on a podcast recently, that one of the things I really love about Fighting Monkey is that like, as much as the content, the material is like amazing, the message is really powerful. Right. And, and I've found myself kind of in the things that I present being like, like what I'm showing you, the material is, is, is great, you know, but the message is all that really matters. You know what I mean? It's like, if, if the message resonates with you, like there's something there that might help you learn to fish rather than me fishing for you. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I was first of all confused by their practice. Mm -hmm. that made me curious, right? Because I was like, whoa, whoa, I don't know anything that's going on. Um, I feel like I've taken in 5% and therefore I want to learn more, right? So you jump in and you start to like swim around in everything that they're doing. And slowly over the years, it's all starting to like piece together in this really beautiful way. And I find in the gym, when I try to bring that in, we'll get a little bit of uptake um some people are the same approach like wow this it was amazing the messages in it the principles behind it everything's great and then others just go whoa like <laughs> too confusing i'll go back to what i know mm -hmm. um and it's very interesting watching because we have you know 150 odd people coming in here every day every week the the people that want to like dive into the confusing unknown 
unknown part of being uncomfortable with it all and the people that want to stand on the side and watch. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it, it can feel like deep water, you know, because I think also yeah. it, it asks a, it asks a lot of like, I want to say you, but that's not what I mean. I mean, it asks a lot of like, almost like your vulnerability and your like humility, mm. you know, like I talked to Elka Schroeder and she talked about the first time she had to do like fighting monkey coordinations in like a, an event setting. Yeah. And you know, like, I don't want to like over describe it, but what she described was like, kind of like, like a holy shit moment. Like, you know, like a, who am I? Like, I'm a dancer and like, I've been doing this for years and like, this is like making my mind melt. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like all of a sudden this like mirror seems to rise up and you have to like, really like look at yourself. Yeah. Sure. And I think that that can be challenging for people. Yeah. I really miss that actually with the uh, travel restrictions right now of not being able to go to events and to train and to be my to be on the student side of workshops. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that because, you know, that's where we get a lot of inspiration. From, where we get pushed. It's where you're the person in the room that goes, I have no idea what's going on. And you have to, you know, do all that. Whereas when you're just teaching all day, you're kind of teaching what you already know, what you're already comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I've, I've really missed that being a student, being confused, being swimming in a world of not knowing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm really looking forward to getting back into training with other teachers and hopefully it's not too far away. But. Yeah, like getting into the deep water. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, even if travel restrictions lift, I don't even know what we'll be doing now. We have a baby. <laughs> Changes yeah. things all together. It's not as easy just to jump on a plane and go to a week-long course in... Europe or something, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you might you you might have you might have to take turns. Like you go to one, then Glenn goes to one. Yeah, but that was no fun. <laughs> yeah, or just whatever. I I mean, to me, I'd be, yeah, I don't know. Oh I'd bring the baby and be like, hey, like whatever. Like you hold him, I'll hold him. Like we're just gonna like do this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, something like that works out. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Then, like, I mean, because I, I feel like, you know. I don't know, we see some similar things. Do you feel like, uh, like when I had, when we had our gym and looking back on, on it, cause we had to close because of COVID and then we let go of the lease and everything. And I've had a lot of time to like reflect on it and like what was happening and all the great things Like there was so much stuff that I, I loved about it. But when I look back now, having more time to breathe, um, I, I realized that like, I wasn't, I wasn't teaching people to fish, you know, like I was, I was in there kind of like throwing the line out for them. I'd let them like feel the bite and then they'd reel it in a little bit and then I'd grab the line and like yeah. put the thing under. Do you, is this something like you, you struggle with almost thinking like, Oh, like I have this space and I want to support, but I also want people to like have their own ownership and way. Yeah, I think that's um, accurate. <laughs> um, we've definitely come across, we've had similar conversations and it's hard, right, when you're in a commercial setting. So you've got people coming in all day, every day. You don't have that breathing room to reflect all the time. And 
COVID for us last year gave us that two months of closing the doors and it meant two months of us owners kind of coming in here just as us teaching some online classes but then we actually got to really talk which in our normal day-to-day -day doesn't happen like you're passing you're all in the gym training but you're not really getting to anything um meaty mm -hmm. and so that two months we felt the same we felt like we had this reflection period where we made a few changes but there's some things that I definitely think you, um, what's the word, uh, you compromise on. Uh, you know, there's the ideal of what we would love to be doing. And then there's the reality of how it works in a general uh, consumer, like a way that makes your business work. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, right, how do we slowly navigate to our ideals? But if we jump there too soon, I don't think we would have the support of people to keep the business going so you know like if you had this really open space where it was um much more independent of the students to come and learn and um spend longer time here and you know like two three hours at a time instead of these 60 minute classes in and out and uh, yeah i don't think we would have enough people to keep our doors open and to keep paying the bills mm -hmm. so there's that payoff um and I think it, you know, we're not operating without integrity that, at all. Like everything we teach, we fully believe in. And there'll be some people that only ever want to come once a week, get a little fix and go back and do all the things that are important in their life. And I think in the beginning, I wanted to really change that. I thought, no, everyone should be here every day. Like if you come to Aspen, you come every day. Mm -hmm. That was definitely my thought in the beginning. Uh, I wanted unlimited memberships only because I wanted people here every day. Uh, and one of the things we changed after our two month closure with COVID was we bought in a once a week membership and it really helped our business. Uh, so I was like, I had to swallow a lot of things because there was a lot of ideals that I said, no, this is the only way we're doing it. And then they weren't working for us kind of two years in, we thought they're probably holding us back now. And if we want to survive this, we need to, to make some changes. So I think there's always this, this balance that you've got to make um and every now and then you go me and glenn talk about it a bit like oh i just want to be a practitioner only again like go work in the park you know teach one one group uh three times a week and the rest of the time is for me but we wouldn't be able to support ourselves <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah yeah it's a, it's a it's a tricky thing right it's um i don't know I'm, I'm always so curious like how people navigate that especially like when you like own a space because like there's a certain there's the responsibility is so much different mm. like you know like when there's rent to pay it's a different game yeah and i think um we're very much a social community like we are very close with a lot of our members we're very friendly with them like um oh the amount of support we feel from them that it's in i mean having a baby as well really like <laughs> brings out like how close everyone was here and you know, things like on our two year birthday, when the gym was actually closed, the members all rallied together and like um, bought all of us these amazing gift hampers and made this book of like, I'll show you actually, cause it's here. <laughs> um, like they, they've made these books. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, so the, the members had got together and like all these quotes 
of what it means to them to come to Aspen. Like, and there's pages and pages, like, you know, the stuff they've, they've done for us to show that this place is making impact in their life. They're the things that make me go, well, who am I to define what it is to be impactful? Like, mm -hmm. I want them to come every day and, you know, train in the way that I think they should. Mm -hmm. But that's not what it's about. That's me being a bit more dictatorship and like showing them my way. Mm -hmm. Whereas instead, they're showing us that it's already making a huge impact. It's changing things for them. And that's what we set out to do. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like stepping back and going less control. Let it be what it is. Because mm -hmm. um, it's already it's already doing it. It's just right. you don't actually know what that looks like. Because um, I've only got my image of it. Mm -hmm. And now when I read all these comments, I've got, you know, a hundred different people telling me what it's doing for them. And it's like very humbling to sit back and go, okay, it's, it's perfect as it is. Just let it unfold. Right. And everybody's, each person's unique journey and their way of navigating it is perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, I talked to Shira Yaziv. Have you ever met her? No. So she owns Athletic Playground in San Francisco. And um, she talked about this idea of like being a facilitator rather than a teacher. And the idea that like, oh, well, I'm there to facilitate opportunities for people to learn what they need to learn in that moment, as opposed to what I think they need to learn. Mm. And I thought that was so just like, yeah, beautiful and amazing. And it's kind of what you're describing in some ways being like, oh, like, there's what I think is interesting, but like each person is coming here and, and getting something different. And like, I'm sure when you opened that book, you were like, it, it didn't even occur to me that that was like the thing that was landing with somebody. And you've got to keep reminding yourself of that, right? Because I, I keep falling back into the same circle of I'm not teaching enough or I'm not facilitating enough or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and we try and get feedback. So like in a class, we'll ask someone, we'll ask the group, um, any questions, any comments, what did you get out of that? And often it's silence, you know, because people don't think that their opinion matters. They think, oh, you know, my thought is stupid or everyone else probably gets it already. And so they don't want to ask questions. And I think trying to create a space where people feel comfortable enough to ask whatever it is that comes to mind is probably really, is one of the things is really important to me. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges. It's like, how do you make other people feel that their opinion matters? Well, it's um, really hard, right? In this, like, you know, I think that so many people are caught up in like, like worlds of judgment, hmm. right? That there's like always a right or a wrong or a good or a bad. And I don't know, at least for me, I've grown to this place where I'm like, I don't know. There's like, there to me, there's, there's not any judgment. It's like, you know, all the questions are great. All the observations are great because I'm like, this is your reality. And Absolutely. the only way like we all get to learn a little more is by kind of grabbing onto a piece of each other's consciousness. Hugely. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. I find this comes out the best when we have new people because they don't know um, what's been said before or what's right. They just come in and sometimes if they're new and they're a little bit confident to have a chat, they bring out some of the best points and they're things that you've almost taken for granted because you've done the work before or you've forgotten what it's like to be exposed to it for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and that can generate some really nice conversations as well for people that go, oh yeah, you know, that makes me think of this that I got out of it. And 
I think the conversation and the reflection people have on their movement practice is probably just as valuable as the movement practice itself to start to see where it all comes together and how it's all serving. Yeah, well, because it's like, I may, and maybe this is like something you relate to, but it like initiates these conversations within the group itself, like without even you, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, they're talking about like what they saw. And there's like this, like, sometimes I witness it where there's like three people talking and they're all talking about the same event that took place and three different visions of what, <laughs> what just occurred. Yeah. Yeah, we've had, um, we've got quite a few different um, teachers of, uh, oh, sorry, let me start that again. So one of our members is a psychologist at a hospital. And um, I remember she came in once she was, she's been a member for here for a while. And she was saying that um, she's been using some of the zero form practices with one of her patients. So some of the standing, um, and she didn't really know what words to use as to how to describe the work, but she said, I just got her standing there, feeling her body, feeling different sensations. We held her hands up, you know, we did all these different things. And she said she had the hugest breakthroughs in her sessions from getting her to bring herself back into the body. And it was, you know, she goes, I don't know if I'm allowed to be teaching this. And I was like, hey, they're tools that you've learned. And if you find them beneficial and powerful, definitely um and same thing we've got a few school teachers that use it with their classrooms they they you know a bit more innovative when they need to get the kids moving or interacting they've used games that they've done here and brought them into the classroom in different settings um one teacher's a primary school teacher and one teacher's a high school teacher and they've both used a lot of the stuff they've learned um and then there's another guy that we work with who's a like a computer programmer. And he said, like, some of the principles is learned through his movement practice, bringing them into a corporate setting with how he approaches challenges and approaches communication to people has, has really brought him a lot of benefit. And I think, and that's really cool as well, when you start to see that all these people from different fields are getting inspiration to navigate new challenges in a new way through training, that's, that's very cool. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like where we started, right? Where it's like all yeah. of a sudden you you have these like new patterns or new information. You're like, oh, I have new, new, I have new tools. Yeah. And you're teaching yourself it. It's like sometimes you start to question like, who taught me this? Like, where did it come from? And it hasn't mm -hmm. really come from anywhere. It's just been like you've gathered inspiration or you've gathered something and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and that's also very empowering as well to feel a bit um, like you have choice to change things in your own life. Yeah, I I think a lot about this thing where it's like, hmm, we give so much like credit to knowledge, <laughs> right? Like the things that we can talk about, but that's like such like a, to me, like a small, small, small fraction of like what we know, mm. right? Where it's like, and through these type, like this type of practice, it's also like very playful there's like new information just kind of like hitting us like left and right and up and down where, you know, through the senses and all the different ways. And like attempting to talk about it is like, you can't even like get there. Right. But it's like, you have all this new information and like, and that rides with you into like the next new scenario come in. And it's just like, you have this like toolbox, but you don't even know what's in it. Yeah. That's a very good description. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something to experience rather than talk about, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
because I, I think that sometimes people, and maybe you feel this where it's like people almost want the knowledge because they can go and talk about it. Right. So like, Oh, like, like teach me the thing that I can go and talk about that. Like, here's the word or a, a movement that has a word attached to it. Yeah. And it's not, not interesting, but to me, what's really fascinating is like feeding that intelligence. And that comes mm -hmm. from like the, you know, exploring complexity basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to, to live it, you know, like to really live it every day. Like when you're not having uh one of the lessons I've learned a lot is learning to rest. Mm. Um, it's not something I've ever been good at. I've run myself into the ground so many times. I've had chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, PCOS. I've had all these things that have just worn me out. And then learning that like, actually the body needs a bit of care. The body needs to rest. Like <clears throat> you're young enough that it can keep performing, but like what's the cost down the line? And learning to really like, step back and question what I need today in this moment, um, which a lot of the time is to rest <laughs> or has been. Um, and <clears throat> being okay with that, not feeling guilty or not feeling like I've let myself down or if I didn't train three hours today, it's not good enough or like all these different negative things, um, keeping up with other people, uh, really just starting to like scrap everyone else's plans <laughs> mm -hmm. and listen to the body. Um, and that's been something that their fan practice has brought in a lot, like this idea of uh, creating an energy reserve, like creating more energy so that when you're in a time of need, you can, you can look after yourself. Cause right. That's when you're ill or when you're injured or when a challenge comes, that's when you need to have a full tank to be able to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And if your tank's already depleted, those challenges come and just knock you for six. Um, and so that's what I experienced. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I, it, it, I think that that's sometimes like like this um, mm -hmm. confusing thing for people, like who, especially maybe who are coming from fitness, where it's almost like you used to see it in CrossFit. People would want to like <laughs> basically be like on the floor at the end and like yeah. I'm destroyed and I have nothing left. Like that was kind of the thing. It was like leave it all out there. Yeah. When what we're talking about and what you're describing is like a practice that's like uh as you said like leaves something in the tank but also fills the tank yeah yeah right yeah, yeah it's not doing nothing <laughs> yeah it's a very different distinction and i think because like i've always i've been quite capable and people will look at some things that you can do that i've trained for and worked for and all the rest but you get there from i've got uh a lot of it's been because I've slowed down. Yeah. Like because I'm resting, because I'm sleeping, because I'm taking care of other aspects, I can perform in certain ways. But if I was just driving hard all the time, I'd be in a very different state. Um, and, you know, opening the business was a huge challenge going from <laughs> only caring about my own hours in a day to all of a sudden having a team and having members and having all these new demands. Um, yeah. It's kind of all these different challenges that pop up. Yeah, you just find, okay, I've got enough energy to to navigate this and to come out the other side well, not come out the other side needing a holiday or <laughs> mm -hmm. needing time off or support. You kind of come out stronger and feeling like, yeah, cool, I'm in charge of this. Right. Mm. And, it, and, and if we were like still in tribes, mm. right, the last thing we would want is to be depleted at any time because like 
anything Survive. could happen, right? Yeah, like if I'm down and out, like what's going to happen? Like, I don't know if another tribe or if all of a sudden there's like a hunt that we all need to run on or or, or something. It's um, it's it's actually almost like a strange modern phenomenon maybe to like be like, I need to totally deplete myself. Yeah, I found that a lot with the pregnancy because um, I had this, everyone says how hard it's going to be when you have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, right, well, I need to make sure that when I have this kid, I'm at like as much energy as I can handle because I know I've got sleepless nights ahead. So if I'm already low, I'm going to be screwed. <laughs> so I was very aware throughout the pregnancy of like, okay, what can I do to try and, you know, get all my eggs in each basket to make sure that business is running smoothly. My house is running smoothly. I'm looked after, like, you know, I've got all this support around me so that when baby comes, like everything, hopefully (laughs) rolls smoothly. And that was a really nice process as well. Um, And it's been, it's been incredible, Um, but really needed, you know, like the emotional hit and the hormonal changes that you go through are insanely powerful um that had I not have done the work in the lead up I know I wouldn't have been in a state in a good state like I feel now um and I can understand why people have like postnatal depression and they go through all these things because it's a really hard transition um but like groundwork has to be put in to to kind of navigate it and I don't think that's talked about enough um yeah right it's like you know the they like, I mean, in the United States, I mean, I see like people like work themselves to the bone right up to the day that like a baby is bo- is being born. Mm. And then they have to be back at work sometimes in like weeks or, or something, you right. know? And, you know, and, and we've also kind of like celebrated these like fictions that we've made up like 40 hour work weeks or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead type ideas. Yeah. But like, that's new. That's not like, that's not like evolution. We didn't like evolve to that place. That's something we decided like recently for like productivity reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning to sit still, which um, I never thought I was very good at, which has come about with the FM, like zero form practice. Like we, we stand a lot, we sit a lot, we do this, you know, slow articulations. And when I first started, I found my mind was racing all the time, like bouncing between lots of different things. And it took a little while to be able to actually sit in a practice for an hour at a time and be um, present. And now that's something I really look forward to in my, in my week is finding those moments where I can kind of come into like a bit of a stillness practice. And now having little locky breastfeeding for (laughs) what feels like forever it's incredible we just sit on the front porch and uh i'm happy just to sit with him like and maybe it would have been like this anyway maybe having a baby just would have switched that switch i don't know um but we're so content just sitting there like listening to the birds that go past and we you know the sun comes down and like two hours can pass and you're kind of just sitting doing nothing and then he goes down for an hour and then he, you got to do it again. Like he wants to feed again. So you're just constantly like sitting still, relaxing and, you know, you can't do too much. Um, and I think previous versions of myself would have been really agitated by that. 
um, it would have been like a stress-inducing thing. I would have been anxious about not being able to get the washing done or get my work done or, you know, reply to a text message or something. But because of my practice over the past few years, it just feels so perfect to like sit and be and breathe and just take in what's around and not want to be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, that could have happened as an overnight switch, which, you know, you just have a baby and those things change. But I really feel um, that the practice has helped me be able to enjoy these new challenges rather than be stressed by them. We have like a, a, a society or a culture that kind of like, I don't know, has a lot of hurdles that, that, that stop us from kind of enjoying stillness or boredom or just being, right? Mm. Where it's like we have like so many distractions at our disposal that are also highly addictive Mm. that like the moment we start feeling that like, huh, like a couple breaths, I'm listening to the cars, I'm seeing the birds. Oh, never mind. Let me grab my phone. Yeah. 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 You know, like it doesn't, like it doesn't last very long, you know? Mm. And I, I think, so I I talked to Yosef on here and I always think about this topic he brought up about being like, what it's like to be a hunter being hunted and like, we're kind of talking about that a little bit about like when you just kind of like be you're like an observer like Mm. the willingness to be like an observer of all things you know like smell the smells hear the hears like you know feel like the breeze on you and just like observe it again with like not knowledge we can talk about but just like that like Mm. internal information yeah um yeah it, it 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 it's it's this thing that we're talking about that I, I think is really magical, but is like really started to like get kind of like hidden under the rug in yeah. modern times. I think so when we when you talk about that and you've got like um, you know, you could observe nature and you could observe the weather and you know, it's a beautiful sunny day and everything's, you know, great and we want to be outside and you know, we're kind of appreciative of of the ecosystem to a degree, I think most people, you know, on a rainy day, we don't decide to go and have a barbecue down at the beach, for example, you know, it's not appropriate. Um, It wouldn't be fun. It would be, you know, we save that for a sunny day. But I think we all have like an inner world that we're not really in touch with. Like I have days where on the inside, it's like a sunny day. And on the inside, it's like a rainy day. You know, we have all these different um, seasons that our body goes through daily, monthly, yearly, and I don't think we live in accordance to them enough. And that's been something that the FM practice has brought in for me is being able to actually see where is my body at, where is my life at, how can I navigate, you know, my zero and act accordingly so that I'm getting the most out of each day rather than just doing the habitual because it's what I've always done regardless of the weather. and I think that's kind of the, the modern day way of living, right? We just, we want to perform at work. We want to perform at the gym. We want to have strong social life. We want to have these relationships that are amazing. But we want all of that all year round, all the time. You know, we're never willing to drop one ball to kind of pick up another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's important as well, like to, to let something slide while we put energy into recuperating other, other places. Do you almost think of it as like internal seasons? Hmm. Definitely. I think it's a very different kind of, you know, 
Eastern approach to our health. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It can't be like July all year inside. Yeah. Well, for, for you, July is sunny, right? Yeah. For us, July is sunny. What's July it like there in July? <laughs> it's now winter. <laughs> oh, okay. Then December yeah. year round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, December, we want to get out and about and be social and do all the fun things. It's Christmas. It's sunny. Mm -hmm. um, and for us, July is like it's winter. You hibernate. You like take care of the house. You kind of replenish your energy. And mm -hmm. yeah. We also, we, we, we do this interesting thing too, where we kind of like deny like, like um, our, like the, 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 the reality of like nature. Cause like we think of you know, people, I think often think of themselves as like gods or something, mm -hmm. but like we do a lot to deny the reality. Like, um, you know, in winter time, it would, it would, the sun would go down at like, I don't know, 5 p.m. Mm. And at any other time in history, it would be dark for us, you know, and we would maybe have candles or something or a yeah. fire. But now like we have the ability to like have it be daytime as long as we want, mm -hmm. you know? And I think there's like a lot of things like that, that like prevent us from like feeling the cycles in their in their wholeness yeah absolutely we hack everything to, to maximize productivity <laughs> yeah um, but at the at the detriment or at the cost to the kind of natural way we keep uh we keep overriding 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 until the body comes up with a few problems and then we want to fix with a pill <laughs> right rather than kind of mm, change the change the rhythm or change the, the order of things that we're doing yeah, and 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 doing that in a way that is almost like being with things in 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 kind of an honest way within like their complexity. You know, it, it can be like revealing when we like when we just when we live it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely agree. So, do you do you practice like you were talking about? times in your life where it was like it sounded like you were practicing like six seven hours a day or, or whatever like what what does it look like now i guess maybe what did it look like right what, what did it look like right before the baby was born and now what does it look like with a baby okay i think the biggest contrast was before aspen opened mm -hmm. <laughs> and then once aspen opened there was a huge change mm -hmm. um and then it definitely shifted with the baby but i don't feel like it was as significant um, so probably before Aspen opened, uh, there would definitely be training every day. Um, usually a two hour session, uh, a lot of strength work, cardio, uh, coordination work. I was starting to get into all the FM stuff. Um, yeah, so I was kind of, dab I was, I remember I was doing a online training with Martin Bosey through FM. Um, so I was doing like a 10 month, uh, mentorship thing with him at the time of opening Aspen. So I was doing a lot of brand new work that he was kind of exposing me to while trying to maintain a lot of my, um, gymnastic rings work and handstand training. So I kind of was holding on to a lot of the, the strength work, which takes a lot of time, uh, and then investing a lot of time into 
standing on one leg, playing with Jenga blocks, learning basic coordinations, um, you know, kind of doing the athletic leg program that they had, that they have. So yeah, I was doing both, um, which was taking up a lot of time. And then we opened Aspen and everything needed to shift because I didn't have any time anymore. <laughs> um, so then it was a lot of uh, what we call just movement snacks, like just going, okay, cool. I've got 10 minutes here and I've got half an hour here. And you just kind of doing little bits all the time without ever having like a session. Mm. Uh, I think when I, when we opened Aspen, it definitely changed. I very rarely had a 90 minute block of training anymore or anything like that. It was always just bits of teaching. Um, I was training people all day. So you're always demonstrating things. And then I would find like, oh, I've done a bit of computer work. I'm a little bit like stiff in my back. I'll jump up and I'll go and move to feel better. So yeah, training just became about like more, I don't know, managing my day and playing with the new material that I was being exposed to through FM. And then when I fell pregnant, I basically stopped at my physical practice um, which everybody thought it would be the opposite. They'd be like, oh, you know, I bet you're training a heap now that you're pregnant. And I was like, actually, <laughs> the total opposite. Like, I'm doing a lot more internal work. Um, I'm doing a lot more work on the business to try and get it to a point where I can step back. So I was automating a lot of systems and automating a lot of our admin stuff so that I didn't have to worry about it. And my practice more became about getting my inner world and my home ready for the new arrival of a baby and becoming a mum. So it was a lot of like conversations with Glenn, my husband, about what it would be like, what we thought our expectations of each other were, um, how we wanted to birth, how we wanted to look after ourselves pre-birth, post-birth, like practice became about that um, and about mentally preparing myself for the changes and yeah, talking to other mothers, um, talking to my own mum, because I all of a sudden saw her in a completely different light. Um, the, the moment I fell pregnant, it was like, wow, well done, mum. Like, <laughs> completely different person. And now that I've given birth, like, again, like, I see my mum in a completely different way, which is really special. Um, yeah, so practice, like, I think everyone thinks it's always physical, but for me, practice has always just been, well, not always, it's it's become more about life, right? And it's not that box of what happens in the gym when I have my exercise clothes on. It's, it's everything. It's how I'm walking down the street. It's how I'm looking at people in the eye. It's how I'm talking to strangers. It's how I'm looking after my family, my relationship, keeping my house clean and in order. Like that's practice. So, yeah, definitely pregnancy was about getting life a little bit um, organised and, yeah, I guess you're talking about something that's always hypothetical, you know, like everyone has, has an opinion on what it's like to parent, whether you've got kids or not. And then you're like, oh, shit, I'm about to have a kid and I'm, I actually have to make these decisions for myself now. It's not hypothetical anymore. Um, so yeah, just everything became more real and more raw. Um, but yeah, uh, now post baby. So we've Lockie's about to be five weeks old. Um, and 
I guess in the third trimester, I really started to miss moving. Mm-hmm. You know, the first two trimesters, it was completely fascinating, all the changes my body was going through. Um, yeah, I was still teaching a lot. So I was still in the gym and, you know, moving around enough, um, moving more than most people probably would in a day. But to me, I was not doing much. Um, but by the third trimester, I was bigger and I was really starting to crave feeling capable. You know, like getting down was harder, getting up was harder. I didn't feel strong in myself. Um, and so I couldn't wait to be on the other side and go, cool, I can move again. But now that I can, I, I've it's a different relationship again because my body feels so different, um, which, again, you can't really prepare for. And I don't know, it's like a softness. Like I'm not, I'm in no rush to get back to where I was. I'm not like concerned by that at all, which I thought I would be. I thought I'd be like, fuck, I need to, I need to get myself back in shape or something. But that those kind of needs and wants are completely gone. Mm-hmm. You kind of just want to move to feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to move to take care of yourself. You want to move so that you can be there for your partner and for my baby. Like it's, yeah, it's different reasons behind everything, which is really nice. So it's really beautiful what you're talking about. I don't know. I'm really moved by it. I just feel like a, there's like kind of like a celebration of like change Ooh. and like a celebration of like evolution, especially like what you were saying there at the end, like, you know, the idea of like, I thought I would have to get back, but instead being like, well, no, like, yeah. it's almost like that was some, that was something else. Like we're, we're, it's, it's, it's going, it's going forward. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Cause I, we always look back and go, Oh, I remember when things were better back then. Like we look yeah. back with shiny eyes to, Mm-hmm. I think it be. Um, and I think it's a very dangerous trap emotionally, like mentally to get yourself into. And it's a habit a lot of us are in. And I've been there myself many times. And this time, yeah, like it is very much forward thinking and it's, um, it's natural. Like it's not something you have to put effort into. It's just, it's just how you feel. Um, and I'm appreciative of having the opportunity to move and to know how to take care of myself. Like I don't, um, I'm so thankful for the years I've put in so that I can navigate these challenges myself because I don't know how anybody goes through an injury or like not that being pregnant is an injury, but like it's a challenge that your body has to go through. But to do that without having any self-awareness of how to move and how to take care of yourself would be impossible. Mm -hmm. So the years I've spent looking after myself and learning this stuff completely essential to be able to go through through this well um i think someone that falls pregnant finds out at like 10 weeks in and then decides to look after their body while all their hormones are running crazy and the body's going through so many changes is it's very challenging right it's almost like you're 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 jumping in the like the headquarters (laughs) for the first time when like yeah. all the sirens are going off. Yeah, you You're don't like, know. Whoa, whoa, what buttons do I press? <laughs> Completely, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I, yeah, I've got a good sense of what it feels like to move. Now coming back, um, yeah, it's just amazing how different I feel. So like doing little simple things like a spinal wave has taken me a couple of weeks to get back and I've been doing them for years and, you know, and now I've just appreciated doing 10 minutes a day of spinal waves just to get my lower back moving and my stomach feeling, even sensing it again, um, 
the awareness of certain parts of my body like really just disappeared for a few weeks. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, practice at the moment, I guess, is in a, in a physical setting is a little bit of zero forms, a little bit of just kind of moving around, like just kind of dancing a little bit to try and undo any tightness from sitting and breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And I'll start to dabble with strength and speed tool on the days where I feel like I've got energy for it, but it'll be short bursts, like 10 minute sessions kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and that's it. <laughs> and I think, I, I think, I think it's so, I don't know, everything you're saying is so amazing to hear. And I think that like, I don't know, I think it'll also be really beautiful and like inspiring for like the people who come and practice at Aspen to like be observing you like through this whole thing. I think yeah. it's, 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 it's amazing. But hearing you talk about like these things, like, I don't know. I think that people, I think people, it would be beneficial to celebrate impermanence more, mm. you know, like, I think that we start to like do things and in movement, for example, like people hit goals or reach achievements or something. And like, they want to just do everything they can to hold on to those things, as opposed to just keep riding the train forward and, and celebrate the things that were there when they were there yeah. and and then be excited about the things that you're arriving at now and the unknowns that are coming but it's like in movement oftentimes like i think that we get like we get to a place where we're like oh my god i've got these like things and i need to do everything i can to hold on to yeah. this like a i don't know a one-arm handstand or a one-arm chin up and like it you know what if we celebrated this impermanence in kind of the way that you're describing to me yeah. And being like, oh, like those things are great and they were great when they happened, but there's all these other really great things. Like, like you yeah. kind of described, like I, like sitting and holding my baby for two hours and then doing spinal waves and like feeling like embodied, like that's amazing. And mm. that's, that's the best thing right now. And then there'll be really best things after this. And I don't know what they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we had a couple of girls get their first muscle up um, in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, so that, and I just remember, I watched their videos because one of them, I was in hospital um, at the time and she sent me her video of her muscle up. And uh, I was so amazed watching her because I know how far um, she's come. She didn't have chin-ups or she wasn't strong at all when she began training here. And, and just watching her put in the time, put in the work, um, navigate a few injuries and over the years and I saw her get a muscle up and I was like man I remember that feeling like I remember how cool that was and how elated I was when I got my first muscle up and just how you know you just it was something that you never thought achievable for you because you're a girl and you're not strong enough and you're all these things and then you do it and it's the greatest and it feels so good and I was watching her video and I just all those feelings came back and at the time, like I can barely do a push up at the moment, I feel so weak. But there was no, um, uh, I thought there would be some sort of, oh, I want that, or damn it, I've let myself go, or any of those, those thoughts that I thought would be there just weren't. It was just like complete happiness for her. And yeah, it's just like that's the journey. Like, you know, we come through, we do these things, and it's, yeah, I've, I've, I don't know, like, yes, I'm sure I'll get back to doing a muscle up at some point. But yeah, just the priority of it is irrelevant. <laughs> right. Because it's, it's like, you know, in, and even if it never does, it means that there's like, there's space for new things. 
It's like sometimes things need to like find their place on the shelf so that yeah. we can like go out and like put some new things in the bag. I don't know. Like, and, yeah. um, and I've felt that way. Like, I mean, I don't know what you're, if there was ever, the t- I felt like there was times where I was doing like multiple strength sessions a day and like so much was happening and it was just like, there were amazing things that happened. And, and now I'm like, oh, like, I can look back and there are videos or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, that was so amazing when it happened. But like, there's also these new things that I get to do now without having to like spend the time there mm. that are beautiful and amazing. And then these things I'll be like, well, then they will find their place. And then we get to go to the other things, but yeah, I think it's, it's scary. I think we want to like hold on because it like, there's like a sense of, um, there's like a sense of control, right. Mm-hmm. When we're like, when we have some things we can like hold on to them and like letting them go is kind of like a symbol of like the passing of time and like that we that we move forward and we change yeah. and we age and stuff that makes me think of two things one being like that what you just spoke about before about knowledge you know, like what we know to be true and we define ourselves by those those things and when we let go of that and just try to experience instead um, how much more that can open ourselves up to and that idea of coming with an empty cup rather than a full cup you know it's like I can't learn anything new until I empty my cup and and listen and observe and like be empty to be able to receive something new um, so yeah while you think you know it all and while you think you've got all your things that you're holding on to you're kind of just restricting yourself from uh, expanding into anything new or discovering anything else mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and it's and it's so vast right like i mean i don't know just the hearing you like i feel so inspired some of the things you were talking about where it's like i don't know i keep like thinking of you like sitting on your porch and like i don't know for two hours and just like being with it and like that's so amazing to me you know what i mean like in in I think we often like, again, like get things, hold on to things. And then our time goes to those things that like, there are these like beautiful experiences that like we almost like, you know, as you said, like we fill our cup to the brim so that there's like no room for these like other things to get in there, you know? And it's maybe, and then, you know, maybe it almost like prevents us from listening too. Cause it's like, oh, like if I listen too much, then there's going to be like yeah, things that I'm going to get want to do but i'm i need to stay with where i'm at yeah yeah there was um a saying joseph had um being i might mess it up a little bit but uh being soft enough to change but not but hard enough not to change all at once you know like you're opening yourself up to the things that are out there but you're grounded in who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it first so you can kind of you know you're putting your arms out there and discovering and experiencing new things but remembering who you are and where you come from and looking after self. Um, and that's probably like a very resounding message of what's happening, you know, with building Aspen and having a baby and everything that's happening. It's like, none of this is possible if, if I'm not well. And if I'm not enjoying it, none of it is worth it. So those two things have to be important. Um, and when I started the mentorship with Joseph, which we're coming to an end of actually. So when COVID happened, Glenn and I signed up for mentorship with Joseph as we thought, okay, we can't travel, um, but we still want to be, 
involved in learning. So we've been doing this year long mentorship. And he said in the very beginning, what it's all about is to live, to love life more and to solve life's challenges. And it's like that one simple sentence, the more we learn, the more we experience, the more meaning that sentence has. Um, because that's what it's all about. Like if you're not loving your life, if you're not enjoying yourself, if what you're doing is not fun and not rewarding, what's the point? You know, and it's when the challenges come, like learning how to navigate them in a way that serves us and doesn't deplete us. That's all we need to, they're the only principles that we need. If yeah. we've got that, we can, we can survive our life in a really meaningful way. It makes me think of a conversation I had with somebody recently. I, I've been facilitating these events that I call infinite play, which is, you know, opportunities to like facilitate surprise and discovery, you know, because to me, like free play, free play is this like integral piece of like a practice, every practice. But at the end, someone was like, oh my gosh, that was like, that was so much fun. But they kind of said it as if like they felt guilty that they had fun. Do you know what I mean? Where like sometimes like in a lot of things and like maybe in our world and maybe sometimes in movement, it's almost been like, as if it's like taboo, like we're not supposed to be have fun. It's supposed to be like, yeah, it's supposed to be serious. And like we, we do work, right? Like there's often that the work. And, and I said to him, I was like, well, I don't know. Like if happiness and joy and fun are still in us after billions of years of evolution, then they're there for a reason. So like, it's amazing yeah. that you had fun. Like it, it should happen. Like we've evolved to this point and it's still there. Yeah, they kind of required. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're made to feel like, oh, sometimes it, it's just like, oh, like, oh, well, if I'm having fun, I'm not doing something, I'm, I'm doing something wrong or something. Like it's yeah. almost like, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very, true and sad <laughs> yeah because mm -hmm. fun can also be really associated through the things that we shouldn't be doing you know like if you're having too much fun on the weekends and you're out and about and you're spending money and you know you got to rein it in and work hard for it again it's like mm -hmm. um you've got to earn it first mm -hmm. but your work can be fun like training can be fun um your relationship should be fun it should all be fun <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it should be fun and it should be playful and I don't know. I read, I read somewhere like the idea that like when our brains are experiencing happiness or joy, it's closely related to <clears throat> experiences of creativity. So like I, I, I've come to like think that potentially like, like the evolutionary purpose of like happiness or joy is to like keep us creative and keep us yeah. innovative and it's kind of this like dangling little like carrot there that like, oh, like keep even small blips of creativity. So like play, like doing something mm -hmm. playful is like blips of creative moments one after another. It's not huge Beethoven symphony creativity, but it's yeah. like moments of creativity one after another, another that's often subconscious. But like, there's that like happiness carrot that's like, you get yeah. to keep kind of like grabbing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good way of explaining it. Mm -hmm. um, Are the workshops being received well? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a complete accident. It was never something that I like planned, but like, it's just kind of what I've fallen into like creating and doing recently. And it's, 
it's amazing and and I have fun doing it. It's like uh it's 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 beautiful. Mm. Do you mm. find it different now that you don't have the facility and you're instead of like daily classes, you mm -hmm. have these bigger events? Like how often are you running into play? So I teach once a week at a dance school here. Yeah. And then there's a group that's kind of like gathered who enjoys some of these ideas that I'm putting out there. So they meet up with me like once or twice a week in the park. Um, and we just, I always just say, we're just jamming. Like, it's not really like, you know, I'm not giving any hard and fast rules in some ways. They're just kind of suggestions. Um, and it's, it's massively different from having to like be at a gym six days a week and some mm -hmm. days teaching two classes a day. Yeah. Like it's, it's a different kind of like, liberation and not that I didn't enjoy having the gym but there's something like like this way of being like this infinite play thing I I don't think would have come about if I was within yeah. four walls yeah yeah I can see that yeah and I can see the um like listening to you talk about it, I still go oh I'd like to do that more <laughs> you know like, <laughs> at the moment we have I think 37 classes a week 37 you know? yeah wow right <laughs> You know, there's some different ones, but it's 37 hours of content a week. Plus, um, we do about mm, maybe 40 to 50 personal training sessions in here a week as a team. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a lot. And then uh, you've got to create new content. And, like, you know, sometimes you've said the same thing. Just because you're teaching the same content, um, you're repeating your sentences. And you forget who, you not forget, but, like, is this new for someone or is this the 10th time someone's heard this? Like, so you see some people are like latched onto every word and other people are like, oh, I've heard this before, you know, but if I was only teaching once a month, say, and it was like a two hour workshop, oh, the energy I'd have in that two hour workshop would be totally different, you know, cause you're like, okay, this is my one chance to like bring everyone in and, you know, explore new concepts and play with new material. But when it's daily, it's, it's different. It is different. And then, and, and I imagine there's like, kind of like, to some degree, like programming. Yeah. Yeah. I realize like when I show up to do my thing and like, you know, now it's, I've gotten to go out and do like, like I've traveled to do a couple, a few short ones and I've got a few more that I'm going to do coming up, yeah. but, and not to like ruin it for anybody who like comes and does <laughs> the thing with me, <laughs> but I show up with like a fraction of a plan. Yeah. You know, I have, I show up with like a couple ideas, but then like, I get to show up and just be like, well, who's here? What does it feel like? Like what, like, what is this group kind of like doing? What ideas do they kind of like throw out there? And I'm like, oh, hey, like, let's run with that a little bit. But that's a thing that I don't think works as well. Yeah. And kind of like people are showing up and kind of expecting like, oh, we're kind of like working towards this and then this will happen and then we'll switch gears. It's a, it's a different way. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping and it may completely change. But when I do come back to work kind of in a few months time of being more gym manager, which we've needed since the beginning, because we're all teachers, you know, there's no one really running the ship. We kind of just <laughs> that's in the background. So coming back into more a management role and teaching more workshop style, um, you know, so maybe just cherry pick one or two classes that I teach every week. But then once a month or once every two months, running a workshop on a weekend and really digging into the content that inspires me and having longer time to discuss ideas and explore things. 
but at the moment it's just an idea it might not take off it might not be wanted I don't know <laughs> but something that I would probably like to do um to see if I could make it work um, I think you I think it would be amazing if I yeah. was there I'd go to that oh cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do I do have this vision of like and I mean, who knows? I don't know when people from the United States are going to be allowed in Australia, but I do really have this vision after talking to you in Soichi and I talked to, I talked to Rod um, yeah. and I'm like, God, I really want to go to Australia now. Yeah. Well, I was thinking even because none of us in Australia can really go anywhere, but we could do an Australian gathering at least for all the, you know, pick one of our facilities or we could do a little tour and um because we all say the same thing like you get caught up in your day-to-day -day that you kind of forget to to step back and go and fill your cup you know with other people and be challenged by other people's ideas again and um yeah so maybe that's something we'll need to to make happen <laughs> it would be interesting if you like from time to time did like community things where like the different communities come together or also like yeah. te teacher exchanges that would be kind of interesting yeah yeah it's yeah, a great idea yeah, just like pass people around, like yeah, you head over and teach it, you know, where soy cheese at, and like just yeah. do like some sort of interesting rotation. Yeah, it's a great idea. Mm. Yeah. All right, I might need to get that one off the ground. <laughs> yeah, but then hopefully, like I said, I, I I do have this vision now. I'm like, I don't know. After after talking to all of you, I'm like, I I would love to like just come out to Australia for a month and just like bounce around and get to like hang with everybody. It seems like a really amazing place. Yeah, it is. I find it quite fascinating how many like uh, facilities have popped up in Australia because I feel like we are quite isolated. Mm -hmm. Yet these movement gyms and these communities have really grown. Um, and I don't know what it's like when I um, we traveled to Europe a few years ago and we met with a few people over there that were trying to kind of get their own communities off the ground as well. But they might be practicing with five or six people. Um, you know, their communities were quite small and they're outside in the streets, like, you know, just using public spaces kind of thing. And then in Australia, these, these gyms, these purpose-built gyms were popping up all over the place. And, you know, we've got in our area alone, so there would be four different movement, five different movement gyms within like a 5K radius. Wow. Like full facilities, you know, um, with full communities, like, it's amazing and Perth is small you know I don't understand we don't have a huge population but it's definitely been something that's kind of um been met with a lot of uh openness I guess um and I, whether it's to do like it's easy for people to start a small business here or it's easy for people to get a business lease like a commercial lease whether those things play into it because I don't know what that's like in the US or the UK like to be able to open your own business and have your own space. I don't know if that's difficult, whereas here it's quite easy. Um, so maybe that's part of it, but yeah, it's quite cool that that's just Perth. And then there's, you know, Canberra, there's Adelaide, there's Sydney, there's Melbourne, there's all these little pockets popping up everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it seems like like the culture there, like the, the, the people and the interest exists in that space. Okay you know, aside from like the, the economics of it all. Like, it seems like there's just like a, a lot of people who are like interested. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have quite a exercise culture. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think maybe weather as well plays into it. Like we have good weather 90% of the year. Like our rainy days, you can almost count on your fingers. So it's easy to get outside and, and be active and do things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, sign me up. Like I said, whenever there's a time where I can get there without having to like sit in a hotel for two weeks. All right. Our doors will be open. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm moving in. I'll bring a cot. I'll be there for a month straight. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, if people want to connect with you, uh, well, I guess first thing, um, are you offering anything that, that, that is online? Is everything just in person in, at Aspen right now? When we when we've had to close down for lockdowns, we've gone online for our members, but we mm -hmm. haven't really offered anything um, extend to the extended world um, mm -hmm. online. We did try in the first lockdown, the first two months, to try and make it like, you know, no matter where you are in the world, tune into our classes. But mm -hmm. um, it really was more just to keep our members moving and motivated over that time. Yeah. So no, at the moment, really everything is uh, in person here in Perth. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe with the evolution of, of, um, being a mum and returning to coaching, things might change. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So if people we, then, if people want to come in and practice with you in Perth or, or just even like connect with you, like what's the best way? Yeah. So, uh, Instagram would just be Emma Louise Robson, Emma underscore Louise underscore Robson, um, or through Aspen coaching, which is aspencoaching.com.au. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then as soon as the borders open and you can travel, you'll be going to Europe to take some workshops and things. I think visiting family would have to, <laughs> would have to um, be a priority. So uh, Glenn's sister lives in Germany and they've got three kids. Um, so now Lockie has three cousins that he needs to go and meet. Um, so that would definitely be up there. And then we would tie in a workshop or some sort of, training exposure <laughs> uh -huh. while, we were, while we were abroad, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, listen, if, uh, if I don't make it there first, maybe during one of your adventures, once the travel happens, you, you come to the United States. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This was so wonderful. I'm so happy that Soichi sent me an email after her and I chatted and suggested that I reach out to you. Very kind of her. <laughs> yeah. Um, and congratulations and congratulations, you know, to you and Glenn and, and it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled for you guys. Thank you. Thank you for your time and for inviting me to be on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will see you and talk to you again soon. Cool. All right. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.